Chapter 32 We cruised past Angelina's store where she grabbed some oversized weaponry. Apparently, she thought her nurse's outfit was appropriate even though it clearly lacked any pockets. She cited irony, I cited the fact that it was very distracting. This seemed to be part of her survival plan. She strapped two oversized silver pistols with chambers the size of pickle jars to her thighs. She was a girl who believed that bigger was better. I suggested she leave the six-inch heels behind. She swore considerably before relenting with a stern look and threw me a small pink toy that nearly disappeared in my hand. What the hell is this? It's a water pistol. She slung her sword over her back and tightened it into place. I can see that. It contains holy water. Angelina was a damn fine specimen of womanhood with little I could ignore, but she was also a woman who, once an idea got stuck in her head, wasn't gonna let go of it. Let's go kick some freaking freaks back to whence they freaking came. That could have been snappier. The church was dark as we approached. No lights. The only sound was the occasional rustle of insects feeding off the bones of the dead. The night was still. Angelina stood close to me. The scent of her heady perfume wafted over me, annulling the smell of the decaying plants and bodies being reclaimed by the damp earth and subterrestrial creatures. I kept my eyes away from her distracting outfit and watched the scaly bugs crawling and slithering over the crumbling gravestones. People had been buried and remembered in the best material possible to survive the elements. Stone. Now the stone had crumbled, the bodies were gone, and even those who wanted to remember had passed through in the same fashion. With all the intent and the will in the world, it came to nothing. Eventually everything crumbled to dust and clay. We approached the door. It was closed. The lock was old, but I had the Remington. Within moments, the lock clicked open and I eased the door inward. The ominous chamber opened before us and we stepped into the gloomy darkness. Minimal moonlight crawled in via the filthy windows. The place was an abandoned tomb, tomb, tomb. This feels different from before, I said. I felt like everything was closing in on us. The door just closed behind us, she whispered. Silently and without anyone actually closing it. I shrugged. It could mean anything and nothing. I fell my way forward, arms outstretched until I found the first row of pews. Angelina stayed close by, clutching my arm. We waited until our eyes grew accustomed to the gloom. The scent of extinguished flames, something burnt, hung heavy in the air. Something bad happened here, I said. Let's hope nothing else bad happens while we're here. My eyes started to make out the objects in the room. All of the pews had been reversed so they faced away from the altar. The ones at the far end closest to the altar had been destroyed. We crept forward. Several paces in, I stepped on something slimy. There was a hiss and the sound of something slithering towards the front of the church. I could hear more slithering coming from the walls of the building, following us as we made our way down the central aisle. 
Something pale lay ahead of us. As we approached, it became apparent that the paleness was someone's skin, drained and untouched by age or the elements. A girl barely out of her teen had been strapped across the altar. This was upstairs before, I whispered, indicating the great stone altar with the surrounding stone heads, but without the girl. The girl's eyes, glassy and vacant, stared off into the darkness. Her limbs had been chained apart, her body had been slashed violently with deep cuts over her stomach and lowered down. On her chest were five small burn marks in a circle. The same marks were duplicated on the floor with a large candle placed on each respective point, all burned down to small stubs. It all had an eerily familiar feel to it, not so much the circumstances but the intent, and that made my skin crawl. We made our way past the poor girl and into the depths of the pulpit. There were several industrial devices badly damaged and tossed aside. Imagining the horror was not necessary as the results of it lay behind us, stapled to the sacrificial altar. Several large images of brutality were depicted on hanging tapestries. The worst, most inhumane were on either side of the stairwell entrance. Angelina made her way toward them. The burnt smell was stronger in the pulpit. I searched it in the various alcoves looking for the source of the smell. I found several long spikes, eight foot long and thin. I picked one up and examined it. It reminded me of a rotisserie spit. It was hefty and had blood smeared all the way along it. Angelina gasped. She had pulled down the tapestries. On either side of the stairwell entrance, two charred bodies stood at attention. I instinctively reached for one of the impaling spikes and walked over to stand beside her. We looked at the bodies. They sent shivers up my spine and set off alarm bells in my primal alert sensor. As one, they opened their eyes, balefully yellow against their blackened skin. They lunged forward off their pedestals. I brought the pike around, spearing the first figure and knocking into the second. They both exploded in a shower of cinders and rubble. They had been as silent as the dead. I had to wonder if they had been dead, or tortured to remind them to guard the place with what was left of their lives. You know, Angelina whispered, anyone could walk in here the way we did. They've hidden here for centuries, only appearing when they need to feed. This is one step away from broad daylight. They're either desperate or something big is happening, and soon, and they no longer care. She reached out and held my hand. And that scares me a lot. Her shaken fingers gripped mine. I pulled her close and wrapped my arms around her. Her whole body was shaken. I feel so safe in your arms, she whispered. You're my gilded cage. I didn't want to tell her I felt the same. Fear doesn't need a companion. She took a couple of deep breaths and eased herself away. His lair is up the stairs, I said. She nodded. I'm ready. Let's go. The steps were slippery. I bent over and wiped my finger over the stone. Blood. The walls closed in as we wound our way up the tight staircase. Our breathing became labored as the air became thick and musky. The putrid stench of bodies that had relieved themselves of everything twisted the air into dark soup of gut-wrenching fear which clouded all but the next footfall. Step by slimy stone step we crawled up the rounded stairwell accompanied by the sounds of distant screams of terror. 
We came to the room at the top of the stairs. A large fan in the ceiling was spinning slowly. Its blades warmed heavily overhead, making us duck instinctively as we entered. We stepped into the room over trickling blood. The door slammed shut behind us, startling us both. Angelina covered her nose and mouth. The limb of a deceased person reached out towards us from the center of the room. The limb extended from a tangle of bodies, naked and bloodied. Oh, the smell. The words caught in Angelina's throat as she stepped up to the towering pile of torsos. She examined them closely. She gave another gasp, clutching her hand over her mouth as her eyes widened. Every single body was consuming and consummating. They had all been struck dead at the same moment. Now they were nothing more than an interlocking lump of gnawed and broken flesh. Their expressions are weird. Some are crying and some are in ecstasy. Angelina said. It's the same thing, I replied. How's that? Both signify release of emotion. She nodded. A body will get to a point where it can't contain the emotion anymore, so it has a natural release valve. I wonder what's holding them up. I can't see what's holding them together, but with all this blood and other bodily fluids, they could be slithering down all over the floor. I decided not to remind her of the great skewers I'd found downstairs. We started exploring the room. There were small windows, but no light filtered in. I went over to one. The darkness outside was absolute. There was a city out there full of life and bad attitude, but I saw nothing but a dark veil and howls of pain and despair. It was another place, or so it felt. The drawer of the black void outside sucked at my consciousness. I hovered near the window, floating my hand over the opening. I watched as a life was drained away, out into the infinite. My mind began to fall forward, tumbling into the pit of eternity. The lonely crying and howls of pain filled me with sorrow and a desperate longing to help. They called out to me to become one of them. They whispered that I could cure everything that was wrong if I did nothing more than hold out my hand. We would join and all fall together, they said. But something inside of me knew that falling would only make things worse. There was no forgiveness, there was no redemption or salvation. It was evil and it would take everything. With hands on either side of the window, I wrenched myself free of the powerful force. I snapped away as though I was pulling myself free of a deadly glue and staggered backwards. Shaking my head free of the darkness, I focused once again on the interior of the tower, searching for something that was less harrowing than the tormented, existential damnation of the infinite void. Is not your wickedness great, and your iniquities without end? Do you know what this means, Angelina? I indicated the human pile. Assuming you're not being rhetorical and melodramatic, it looks like a ritual. Someone or something is trying to increase their power or control. It could be a summoning. Whatever it is, it can't have happened without attracting someone's attention. And it occurred to me then that we should probably be worried about whose attention all of this was intended to attract. Or maybe it's just a naked ritual with uh, sex and eating, she said. Naked forms, the start, the end. 
uh, rebirth. But of what? We searched the walls, the floor, any crevice, but the place was clean. Apart from all the blood. There's nothing here. Angelina said in frustration. This isn't the lair, or, or not the main part anyway. But it must be close. They wouldn't dare do anything as horrific as this. Anything but a lair. We must have missed something in the church. We left the tower and made our way back down the main chamber. Angelina started yanking the tapestries down. It sounded like she was softly crying. Wait. I shouted. She paused mid-yank and looked at me. I pointed to the image in her hands. It was a picture of the church. I went back to the entrance of the stairwell. The most graphic images were on the two tapestries on either side of the opening, the ones that had concealed the burnt guardians. I spread out the fabric. One of the paintings was a ritual sacrifice showing a pile of human torsos in the middle of a consuming and consummating. Angelina spread out the other tapestry. We looked at each other. We spread out and examined the others. They all depicted acts of depravity. Then I found my tapestry in the form of a map. Look at this. I said, holding it up. There was no response. 